following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I come with real concern. How do I adequately represent to you the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ? It's the most important topic that we could consider. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and being baptized in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But some of you had concerns and questions out of yesterday's broadcast. I'm going to go back and pick up some of those questions and concerns. This is the last broadcast, live broadcast of this year. So let's wrap it up with a flurry. 
it's of utmost importance to me that you understand the gospel of Jesus. It is utterly unlike the American church. If the apostles came and visited in the American churches today, they would not think they were in a a Christian church. Oh, the names would be there, but it would not be the same. So let me be very clear today about definitions, word meanings, because most Christian words have been utterly corrupted by the years as they have passed. We have assigned new meaning to those vehicles that we call words. We need to go back and say, what are we really talking about? My gravest concern is that you have an adequate understanding of how the gospel works. For there is an intellectual content that you need to understand the gospel. But then beyond that understanding, there is the matter of your heart. And you need to understand what God's part is and what your part is. And if you don't understand... It's like the parable of the sower. The seed is stolen away from your heart by the devil, and you're lost. And countless numbers will be lost who called themselves Christians. Hell will be full of people who say, but wait a minute, I'm a Christian. I'm knocking on the door. Open to me, open to me. And he will say, no, I don't know who you are. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't want that to happen to you. So please, be serious with me. Listen to the whole broadcast and hear what the word of the Lord is to you today. It's personal to you. Jesus came out of his time of temptation and testing by the devil in the wilderness. And when he came out of that, Matthew, the fourth chapter, tells us in verse 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. This is the content of what he preached. He preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. What is the gospel? Yes, you can answer very quickly. The gospel is good news. But what is it good news about? It is good news that the kingdom of God is being ushered into this wicked prison planet called Earth. The kingdom of God is literally the divine rule of God. And Jesus begins to bring forth that divine kingdom by coming as a baby in a manger. He came, and he immediately began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, if you continue in verse 23, this is Matthew 4.23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom. So the good news of the kingdom is that the royal authority of God is beginning to be exercised in the earth, and men now have another possibility for salvation. He was healing every disease and sickness among the people. And news about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed. He healed them all. And then Matthew goes directly into 
the Beatitudes. Now, I want to be very clear with you today. The kingdom of God is being ushered into the earth today, and we are very close to the final climactic movement of Jesus coming to destroy the powers of darkness. It's necessary for you to prepare yourself that you could be a part of the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, he says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Well, who are the wicked? The wicked are the sinners. If you are a sinner, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You will be blocked out. He says, do not be deceived. Now, we need to come back and deal very carefully with what is sin. The Greek word is harmatia. Harmatia has two definitions. There is the definition in the classical Greek, and that definition is, it is shooting an arrow at a target, but you don't hit the bullseye. You miss the mark. That's the Greek definition of harmatia in classical Greek. But the scriptures give us another very different definition of what sin is. Sin, according to First John, and I'll turn there now and read it for you, Chapter 3, verse 4. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness requires a voluntary agreement that I am going to rebel against God. If what you are doing, you are not voluntarily doing. It's not sin. Now, I want to be very clear with you. Sin is in Scripture different than in the classical Greek. Sin in Scripture involves the volitional decision that I will rebel against the Most High God. I will have it my way. I will join the rebellion of darkness against the kingdom of Jesus Christ or the kingdom of God. I will rebel and have it my way. I am not going to submit to the kingdom of God. That in Scripture is called sin. And I'm going to show you that much more in depth as we move along today. It is necessary that we be transformed, and we cannot transform ourselves. This is a supernatural work that God does in us. It's not by works. It's by faith. The lie of the modern church is that you don't have to be righteous to enter into the kingdom of God. But the scripture says, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. They believe in, and and I'll use this word, I don't like to use it, but I will because they do. They use the word imputed righteousness, where they say that when Jesus, when, when God looks at us, he does not see us, he sees Jesus. Well, there's a problem with that because the scriptures say Jesus is our judge, not the Father. 
So when Jesus looks at us, is he only seeing himself and not us? And so the robe of righteousness is then wrapped around a dirty, filthy man? No, come on. If the blood of Jesus is no more powerful than the blood of bulls and goats, as it says in in, uh, in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, it says, the blood of bulls and goats could not cleanse from sin, could not remove sin. The blood of Jesus Christ not only cleanses from sin and removes sin, but imparts to us righteousness. Do you not know the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters. And you may say, well, Pastor Ray, I'm not sexually immoral. I'm loyal to my wife. I'm not filled with lust. But are you an idolater? Is the television more important to you than Jesus? Is your money more important to you than Jesus? That's idolatry. Anything that I put ahead of Jesus is idolatry. Do I put my wife or my husband ahead of Jesus? Then that's idolatry. And he's saying, do not be deceived. If you are an idolater, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You cannot go to heaven. Jesus must have the first place in your love, in your affections, in your time, in your money, in your family. It requires that you give into Jesus' hand your wife or your husband For you do not own them. They are owned by Jesus. You must give your money into the hand of Jesus. He will direct you in how to use it. The money all belongs to him anyway. (laughs) Our children don't belong to us. Our children belong to Jesus. Now, sometimes as our children grow up, they became or become very upset with us. They even cut us off, say mean or wicked things to us, or don't even talk to us. It's necessary that that mother or that father simply place that child in the hands of God, even though they're an adult, they're still your child. And you put them in the hands of Jesus and you say, Lord, it's hands off. I'll do what you tell me to do. But they belong to you. Would you save them? Would you rescue them? I forgive them. It says, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that's what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. That is, you were made righteous in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You see, this is not a self-help process. We have to cooperate with Jesus. We have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit because it's the Spirit of God that makes us righteous. So it's necessary that we be washed of our filth, that we then be sanctified or made holy. And then it says, and you were justified. And the word justified, dikasune, means to be made righteous. The word justified in the Old English comes from the meaning of to make righteous. It, it is not a legal forensic term. 
It doesn't mean all of our past sins were forgiven. It means that and much, much more than that. It means, yes, your past sins were forgiven, but they weren't just forgiven. The word in the Greek for forgiven is aphemy. It means to be removed. So your sins were forgiven. They were removed from you, and you now live a new life in Christ. You have been made righteous. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of our God. Verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? You've heard that Christ is the head of the church. Well, who's the church? We are. And if Christ is the head of the church, he's my head. So my body is linked, unified, with the body of Jesus Christ. I'm family with him. I'm one with him. We've become one flesh in the Spirit. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Or I could put it another way. Shall I then take the member of Christ and unite it to violence and wickedness in my entertainment? Yesterday I spoke to you about carefully guarding, carefully guarding the love in your heart for Jesus. In Scripture, and John Wesley was the one who so powerfully pointed this out to me in his writings, love is the fulfillment of the law. <laughs> love is the fulfillment of the law. Shall I love that which is of darkness? Shall I unite my spirit and my body to violence and grieve the love of God for me? Grieve the spirit of the living God from my heart? We are the temple of the living God. And if you look in the Old Testament, you'll find in the book of Ezekiel that the children of Israel so grieved God that his presence left the tabernacle. It's one of the saddest parts of Scripture as the glory of God, the presence of God rose and hovered above the temple and then moved on and hovered over the gate into Jerusalem and then was gone. The glory of God has departed from the modern American church. We have grieved the Holy Spirit from our churches and the mighty storm is almost upon us. And if we don't repent, for that is the only thing that will bring back the glory of God. If we do not repent, confess our sin, and invite the Holy Spirit back, we will be destroyed. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Are you one with Jesus today? Or are you still one with that woman you're shacking up with? Or with that love you have for your money? or that bitterness that resides in your heart? Are you one with bitterness? I pray not. For you cannot be one with 
sin and one with Jesus at the same time. You can't do it. You've got to be washed. You've got to be sanctified. You have to be made righteous. Now, Romans, the sixth chapter, tells us exactly how that's to happen. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Some of you have said to me, Oh, Pastor, I'm still a sinner, but the grace of God covers me. Wrong. No, it does not. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I want you, brother, sister, I want you to live a new life in Jesus Christ. I want you to be filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. But first must come the repentance and the sanctification. You must be made righteous before you are a fit habitation for the indwelling power of God. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. And in the Greek, it is not done away with. In the Greek, it is it is destroyed. The old man is destroyed. He's no longer in charge of your life. Now, you're going to still be tempted. But you have the power, by the power of the blood, to say no to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. Verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves. Inventory is the word count. Inventory yourself to make certain that every part of your heart is dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law but under grace. Don't make the mistake of saying the old definition of grace, which is the covering of my sins. That's what happened in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, sin is removed, not covered. Titus tells us that grace comes to teach us how to say no to unrighteousness. Now, I want to take you in the time we have left. We'll come back here if we have time, but I want to take you to the book of 1 John. How great, chapter 3, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him 
purifies himself just as he is pure. In other words, as the Holy Spirit comes to you and he says, don't watch that, you turn it off. As he comes to you and he says, don't go there, you don't go there. You obey the word of the Holy Spirit to you. Now, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Now, John Wesley speaks about this. I'd like to be helpful to you today in understanding what is sin and what is not sin. An infirmity, he says, is not sin. Classical Greek definition is if I shoot an arrow at a target and I hit the bullseye, I have not sinned. But if I miss the mark, I have sinned. Well, my muscle coordination, I love archery, by the way, but my muscle coordination and my eye coordination is not adequate that I can shoot and hit the bullseye every time. I don't play golf, but if I were to go out and play golf with you, I would not be able to get a hole in one. If I did, it would be pure luck. I'd be in the pond or in the woods. I wouldn't I wouldn't be a hole in one. Why? Because I don't have the physical capacity. And so John Wesley said, look, we have infirmities. These infirmities will sometimes prevent us from doing what we know we should do and want to do. For example, you get up in the morning and you with all of your heart desire to go to church. But you're sick. You're throwing up. You feel lousy. You turn around and you collapse back in bed. Was that sin? No, that was sickness. That's infirmity. The scriptures are very clear in saying, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. If I don't assemble myself together at the command of scripture, is that sin? Well, yes, it could be sin. If I'm simply rebellious against the word of God and I refuse to do what he asked me to do because I'd rather go to the fair or I'd rather go golfing or I'd rather go kayaking or some other activity, then yes, I'm sinning against God because he's directed us to be in church. So an infirmity is not sin. Wesley also understands and has helped me understand that immaturity is not sin. Now, some of you have been uncomfortable with my saying this, but my last day on earth and my first day in heaven, I'm going to be the same person, the same character, the same level of maturity. The scriptures say we're going to grow up like calves in the stall. In other words, when you get to heaven, you're not going to automatically possess the wisdom of the ages. You're not going to possess the same maturity that, say, Enoch or Abraham or Moses possess. They've been there for many years now. I'm going to need some angelic coaching helping me to grow up. Is immaturity sin? No. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on totally immature people because immaturity does not block the Spirit. What blocks the Spirit is rebellion against God. So, If I have an infirmity, 
if my hand is broken so I can't do something that I know is God's will for me to do, that's not sin. That's infirmity. It's sickness. Or I'm immature. I lack judgment. That's not sin. We don't say that a five-year-old is a sinner because he's not as mature as a 21-year-old. But a 21-year-old who acts like a five-year-old, now that's a different matter. That's rebellion. (laughs) I hope this helps you understand. Some of you have said to me, Pastor Ray, I can't be perfect. What do you you're being tough. You're saying if I if I'm not perfect, I can't go to heaven. Well, my father used to have a saying that I found very helpful. He said, When corn grows to be knee high, is that a perfect stalk of corn on the fourth of July when it's knee high? In our garden it was. But if come the fall, that corn is still knee-high. It has a problem. And if we're knee-high when we are old, we're self-centered, we're full of victimhood, we're full of bitterness, that's sin. A stalk of corn and knee high on the 4th of July is a perfect stalk of corn. It's right where it's supposed to be. At the growth level it's supposed to be at. Do you understand? Greek perfection is every single thing is totally mature. Well, that's not who I am. I'm still immature in many ways. I'm still growing rapidly. That's why I I read the scriptures daily, seeking the wisdom of God. It's why I pray according to the word of scripture, asking Jesus to give me wisdom because I lack wisdom and I need it. That's why I spent time before this broadcast pleading that Jesus would make plain to me what I was to say to you today about the gospel, about the kingdom of heaven. You see, I'm a part of the kingdom of heaven. I've been brought in by the, by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I've been washed, I've been made clean. I've been sanctified, I've been made holy. And now, my desire is that I be filled to the fullness, with Pentecost power, to be able to witness in such a way that the gospel of the kingdom of God will go forward with great power and authority, healing the sick, raising the dead. That's the kind of revival we must have in America, or America is going to be swept away and the American church is going to be destroyed. Have I left my sin? Yes. Am I perfect? No, I still make mistakes. Mistakes are also something that John Wesley said were not sin. A mistake is when I inadvertently hurt someone or do something that was not the intention of my heart. I've made many mistakes in my ministry, even on this broadcast, saying things very poorly, saying things that were utterly misunderstood and hurt the heart of another person. Was that mistake sin? Praise God, no! Am I perfect in the sense that I have no willing rebellion against God? 
Yes. <laughs> yes. I have no intentional sin in my heart. I have no volunteering of myself to the powers of darkness. I have utterly cut off the powers of darkness in my life. I have said, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior, and I stand by faith, and I will not be turned aside by the devil. I am going to stand by faith in you, Jesus Christ. So am I perfect? Yes? No? Do you understand? I'm not perfectly mature. But I am perfectly righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is not something I've done to myself. He's done it in me. He has placed this incredible love in my heart for his people. He's placed this incredible love in my heart for the poor. He's placed in my heart this incredible love for Jesus Christ, for my Father, for the Holy Spirit. This morning as I awakened, I'm getting ready to move to a new home. I know there are going to be many challenges in this move. How do we how do we get everything transferred without any breakage and I let go of it. I said, Lord, it's all in your hands. I know I could worry about it. But God didn't call me to worry. He called me to put it in his hands. So my job is to guard the love in my heart for Jesus and his people. My job is to let the Holy Spirit accomplish in my heart all that he desires. He took away my bitter anger. He took away the lust of my heart. He took away the love of money. Money today means nothing more to me than little pieces of paper, monopoly, except that there is a work those little pieces of paper can do to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and my only heart is to build the kingdom of Jesus. I hope you're getting the message. I love Jesus. I love him with all my heart. I am not ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of Jesus or his kingdom. It is my life. It is my food. He is my food. He is my, my drink, the blood and the broken body. That is my food and my drink. He has humbled my heart. I know I'm nobody. If you listen to this broadcast, I know you listen only because of Jesus. Because he's shining forth in glory. I praise his name. Mighty, mighty, mighty is the name of Jesus. Listen. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. If you can't overcome your sin, it's because you have not yet died and been crucified with Jesus. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. 
Have you been born of God? Are you free of your sin? Have you been calling things sin that are not really sin? Let go of those false understandings. Come fully into the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fruit of the Spirit, not fruits, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, patience. The fruit of the Spirit will be evident in the life of a man or woman who has been crucified with Christ. You can't help but bear that fruit any more than an apple tree can help but bear beautiful apples. It's not by human effort. This is the glory of the kingdom of God. As the kingdom of God is unfolded over the earth, more and more Jesus will take it over until finally that great day when he comes and he opens the door to a thousand years of peace on the earth where the righteous will rule the earth with him. I'm eager for that day. Read the 20th chapter of Revelation. You'll understand what I'm talking about with the millennium. It's when the kingdom of God is fully realized on the earth. But then, at the end of that time, the final war will take place. Satan will be loosed. And the earth will be destroyed and a new earth will be created. A new heaven and a new earth. And it will be our home for eternity. With Jesus our Lord. With our Father. With the Holy Spirit. Sin is wickedness. It is rebellion. It's not immaturity. Sin is not a broken arm. Sin is not making a mistake. Sin is choosing to set myself up against the living God of heaven and do what I please with the wickedness of this world, sitting in front of the violence of the television, the wickedness of the the advertising, the wickedness of the redskins and the, the football and the professional games. All of that is of the darkness. It's not going to be in heaven. You get to choose. Will you follow Jesus and allow him to wash you and sanctify you and make you holy? Well, we're almost out of time for today's broadcast. I want to give you my new address and I want to invite you to come. Come this Sunday. Nothing will be unpacked, but the furniture will all be in place, and there's going to be a room for you to to sit. We're going to meet at 5009 Softwood Lane. That's 5009 Softwood Lane, Woodbridge, Virginia. Zip code 22192. That's where we're going to meet at 10 a.m. this coming Sunday morning. I invite you to come. If in your heart you are hungry to pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we will take this up in the new year in great detail. If your desire is the baptism of the fullness of Pentecost power, this is not for godly living, This is for power, for ministry. We are all called as fishers of men. This is power for ministry to others. It's not for us, it's for others. For the Holy Spirit to pour through us in healing and restoration 
and redemption for other men and women. You're welcome to come. The address again, 5009 Softwood Lane, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. I also would like to invite you, if you'd like to help us cover the last part, we're about $500 short for radio yet this month. I'm not going to take a day for offertory. I'm going to trust Jesus. He will send what we need. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Click on the upper right-hand button and you can give. Or you can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel called Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I pray today has been helpful to you. Um, If you have questions, go in the live chat and give your questions. And when I come back live again, the live chat will be up. I'm eager to have you Subscribe to our YouTube channel because that will cause Google to spread the message even further for people to find us. Uh, We're approaching 500 subscriptions. It needs to be much, much larger than that. Would you post the video of this broadcast on your um, Facebook channel or wherever you're on social media? Now I'd like to pray. Father, these these things are understood by the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking, Holy Spirit, would you go forth over this congregation that has been listening today? Would you make plain these words to their hearts? Would you cause them to search the scriptures for themselves, reading carefully the first epistle of John the sixth chapter of Romans, the eighth chapter of Romans. Lord, would you, by your Spirit, make plain the truth that I've spoken on this broadcast today. And Lord, I lift up your name. I praise and honor and glorify your name. I love you, Jesus. And the desire of my heart is that every person listening would be crucified with you and born from above and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Again, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for joining us today. I look forward to hearing from you. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you.